Hello, everyone. This is Sherry Rice. Welcome to Access to Healthcare's weekly podcast, where we bring you local guests on topics of interest to you and your family. Today, our discussion includes COVID-19 and the impact on our local hospitals. And my guest today is Helen Leadholm, CEO of Northern Nevada Medical Center. Welcome, Helen. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, it's great to have you. I know that in the last, seems like forever, but it's really been about three months uh, since COVID not just hit our community, but when we first realized that COVID was something in our community, it was about mid-March, and the pandemic uh, was going to be something that our community was going to have to deal with and that the hospitals were going to have to deal with. Take us back to mid-March. What are your first memories of when you found out about COVID-19 and you knew that you were going to have to deal with it at a hospital level? So we had heard about this mysterious virus for a few months before it hit our community. Uh, and in mid-March, I was two weeks into my new job as CEO of Northern Nevada <laughs> Medical Center. So in mid-March, um, when the virus arrived to our community, uh, Northern Nevada Medical Center and the other hospitals in our area were really pretty pre prepared. Um, and I say that because we deal with infectious diseases all year round. Right, right. And um, there is not a whole lot of differences in terms of what you can do when it comes to MRSA or the regular flu or COVID. It is the level of what you do. So there's been a blueprint all along for this pandemic, it sounds like, and that really what needed to happen is, uh, is to put the blueprint for what you do in a pandemic into play. So in mid-March, you realized that there was a pandemic that was coming, that we need to deal with it in the community, and that there was a blueprint uh, that you could follow, but you had to follow it in a much bigger way. Right. We had to make a lot of modifications to the policies and processes that we follow um, for regular infectious diseases, things that we're used to dealing with on a regular basis because of the impact um, this particular coronavirus has. And what were the first steps that you took? Do you remember? Yeah. Um, so the first things that we uh, did was implement uh, the, the policies that were already in place and added to them. Uh, and that included, I'm, I'm sure you, like everybody else, have heard about um, PPE, yes. personal protective yes. equipment. Uh, and that includes masks. And one of the uh, one of the changes for COVID nineteen was that we early on started masking both patients and staff because that is a protective barrier um, between between you know the patient, whoever is carrying the virus, and uh, whomever can be exposed. So that was one of the first things we did. Um, say, uh, um, Northern Nevada Medical Center was hit pretty hard very early. Um, and that was due to three families living in Sparks that contracted the virus and spread it amongst the family members. So mm -hmm. at the beginning of... of the impact here in Washoe County, 
Northern Nevada Medical Center, you know, we're a fairly small hospital, had more patients than the other hospitals. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I don't think we were totally aware of that. Mm-hmm. So you all, from the very beginning, uh, had to deal with COVID pretty quickly after that mid-March date. Yes, we did. And and how did that affect your staff? It was scary in the beginning. It's still scary. Uh, but in the beginning, when you're dealing with something that you're not quite sure, um, you know, we're, we're healthcare people, people, there's a prescription for, or there is a policy for. Right, right. Uh, and this is dealing with something that is somewhat unknown. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we did not know uh, how it could be spreading and did we do enough to protect our staff. Right. So there was a lot of fear. And did you have enough of that PPE equipment? Because that was something we heard about in the news, that there wasn't enough. Yeah, we were fortunate. Um, our community was fortunate that we never lacked uh, PPE in any way. There were times when we were low in certain kinds of masks, um, like the mask with the plastic shield mm-hmm. that you have to wear um, in an operating room or when somebody's on a ventilator. But we never ran out. And we never ran out of beds, ICU beds or ventilators or or anything else that was needed. So, So you had enough equipment to deal with this. Of course, it sounds like the number of cases that started out with quite a few, but did it slowly trickle to now where you don't have many cases? It has. Um, this morning, we are down to two patients in the hospital, one in a regular med surge bed and uh, another in critical care. So how did this affect the patients that were already in your hospital when COVID came about and they weren't in there for COVID. Uh, did soon, did you stop allowing visitors to come into the hospital? We did. And we did that pretty quickly. That was one of the first steps that was taken together with masking, checking temperatures and, and other things like that. Um, the only way to make sure that visitors are not exposed were to tell them that they couldn't come. And yeah. that was really hard. Yeah, really, really yeah. hard. Yeah, when they have a loved one in the hospital, mm-hmm. especially your patients if they were in the ICU with COVID. Right. Yeah. So iPads and computers and FaceTime or Zoom mm-hmm. um, was the best we could do. Yeah. So what about the patients coming into the hospital in the emergency room? We've heard a lot about how people avoided the emergency room, sometimes their own detriment. But if they came in through the emergency room and they had COVID system uh, symptoms, what was the process for that? Well, the process is the same today. Anybody that comes in with respiratory symptoms or and or um, other symptoms that is, have since been um, defined as clearly uh, COVID symptoms like a lack of, you lose your taste um, and stomach problems and uh, upset stomach and diarrhea. So when a patient comes into the emergency room with symptoms, um, the first thing that the staff and the physicians do is take them into a a room that is an isolation room. Mm, Okay. Uh, In order to make sure that COVID doesn't spread, 
all you really have to do is close the door. Ah, I see. Science shows that you, that's all you have to do. Huh. Um, what we did and what other hospitals did is we added uh, negative pressure rooms and a negative pressure room sucks the air out. So if you, if you think about it, you're standing in front of a door that's closed, if you put a piece of tissue on the floor right in front of the door, a negative airflow room sucks the tissue in underneath the door. Oh, interesting. And then that air gets uh, filtered and, and just released out in the air clean. Uh, and that is a that, that was a very important step. However, um, I don't think we're still sure today if we really needed to do that. Yeah, it was you, extra protection. You erred on the side of, yeah, of being much more cautious, right. which is fabulous. Right. What about the communication with the other hospitals in our area? How did that go about? Because I, I would imagine you all shared uh, thoughts on resources and different things. So in the beginning, there were um, daily calls, um, both within the other hospitals, with the other hospitals here in Washoe County and also all hospitals in Nevada and all UHS hospitals in Nevada and all, all UHS hospitals. Uh, so lots of communication on different levels to make sure that we shared experiences mm -hmm. um, and shared any any learnings. Um, here locally, Washoe County Health District and uh, the hospitals were in constant communication, uh, including REMSA. And we talked about how many beds we had available, how many critical care beds, how many ventilators, what were we seeing in terms of trends, and it was very helpful. So can somebody get a COVID test at your hospital? And I know you have medical groups that are attached to your hospital. Can they get a COVID test if they have a doctor in your medical group? The answer is yes. Uh, pretty much everybody that asks for a test can get tested. Now the question is where and how. So in the hospitals, what we do is we um, we reserve our tests for patients who are coming in with a scheduled surgery. Um, anybody that comes in with symptoms, staff that have been exposed, and so on. What we don't have the ability to do right now is open up our doors for the community. But Washoe County Health Department, do, they do do that. They have a uh, TB clinic, a tuberculosis clinic, mm -hmm. uh, and anybody that would like to be tested can and do get tested there. The state of Nevada is now at the very top of the number of tests that have been performed in the country. So do you know, is an instant test available yet? Yes, there is a what we call point of care test. Um, and so that is a the same as the, the regular test. It's a it's a nasal swab. It's not comfortable. It's one of those you they stick in through your nose and it goes all the way down to in your throat. Um, but it, it's not too terrible. And these tests are um, are run in a little machine that actually looks like a toaster. Oh, mm -hmm. okay. Uh, and uh, you can use the cartridges only one time. 
So the number of uh, point of care or quick tests, whatever you want to call them, uh, are fewer than the tests that are taken at the health department or sent to the state lab or other labs. Mm -hmm. There's been a lot of discussion about the efficacy of the quick tests. What we have discovered in the past month is that they are really pretty reliable. Now, this is not a uh, right. This is not a, a scientific test by any stretch of the imagination. But what we have done at Northern Nevada Medical Center is when we first restarted the elective surgeries, patients would come in uh, and if the surgery was coming in a couple of days, we would do the quick test. We would also do the regular test and send that to a lab. And oh, what I we've, see. so what we've learned is so far there's 100% correlation. Oh, interesting. Uh-huh. Not scientific. No, I understand, but still yeah. it gives you an assumption. It does. Yeah, an assumption on that. Let's talk about your the surgeries cuz I know you stopped elective surgeries for a while, but you've restarted them and with new procedures. Does somebody who's going to have surgery have to have a COVID, a negative COVID test to get their elective surgery? Yes. Yes. So a patient comes in for pre-admission testing or pre-surgical testing. Uh, and that is, that that's routine even before COVID. You check to make sure that everything else about them is either healthy or well-managed. Uh, and so we continue to do that and, and have added a COVID test. We try to get the patient in uh, five days before their surgery so we can send the, the tests mm -hmm. out. And we ask them to self-quarantine until the day of surgery. Oh, interesting. From the time they take the test? Yes. Until their surgery, mm -hmm. they have to self-quarantine. Right. And most people obviously are, are amenable to that, it sounds like. I haven't heard of any patient that has said, I don't want to be tested. Right. Um, everybody understands. Uh, many of them are relieved, and I think it alleviates some of the fear that still exists. Mm -hmm. Well, that makes sense. That, um, that's sort of a... Uh, comfort zone yeah. that I think happens for people, uh -huh. both the person getting the surgery and also the staff. Right. Even though you're taking precautions, you know the person's negative. And if they come back positive before their surgery, then you have them... We cancel uh, the case, you cancel unless it. it's urgent. And then they would quarantine, and then they right. would get a negative test, and then they can have the surgery at a later date. Correct. Yeah. This is such new territory for everybody. Um, when you're talking about, um, you know, the last three or four months of putting all this together, and we have our sort of our new normal, I guess you'd say. Would you call this a new normal for the hospital? Because COVID's not going away for a while. I think we are getting closer to our new normal, yes. Mm -hmm. You must be very proud of your staff and what they've done for the last three or four months. I am incredibly proud of the team at Northern Nevada Medical Center, all the staff and physicians that work there. Uh, they have been so well prepared 
and so nimble to make changes immediately when we learned that something was changing. Uh, and I, we have some of the best outcomes, even though we had the sickest patients in our communities. Mm -hmm. I'm very pr proud of the team. And is your team um, taking care of the COVID patients, do they volunteer for that? A COVID patient assignment is not voluntary. Uh, and staff get assigned based on their skill set. Mm -hmm. So if you're a critical care nurse, you work in critical care. And you, we have positive COVID patients today, just one. And you know other patients that don't have COVID that is in another area, uh, and staff gets assigned. And we have had staff that were very concerned about COVID, and their coworkers offered to take over their assignment. Mm. And so we tried very hard to make sure that not the same people. Um, lived in the, the COVID and the, the high, uh, to make sure that our staff were not all in the critical care units with a lot of COVID positive patients for very long. Mm -hmm. uh, it's scary and it's also exhausting because yes, you have to wear the PPE yes. all day long. Mm -hmm. So you have to be behind a mask. You have to have your eyes uh, the goggles on, um, you have to have the, the extra gown, the extra gloves, and it's very draining. I would imagine. I know the just the general public wearing of masks has become such a huge issue, um, a, a political issue, but also one I know I wear the mask, and if I wear it for too long, it feels a little suffocating. I can't even begin to imagine what it must be like with all of that PPE equipment on. Healthcare workers are amazing, and for many of them, wearing a mask is something that they always do. Right. right. So if you work in the operating room, you're used to wearing a mask. If you work with sick patients um, in critical care and other areas, they're also used to wearing a mask. Uh, so the mask itself, uh, it's not is not prohibitive. It is everything else that you have that you have to add uh, in terms of plastic shields or goggles and, you know, everything else that you have to do um, to work with COVID patients. That makes it very challenging. Yeah, I can't even imagine it. Well, let's go back to the discussion on the emergency room. Uh, right. It seems like that's where a lot of patients came through. I know that if I had COVID symptoms and I was really sick, uh, I'd go to the emergency room. So let's talk about how the emergency room dealt with all of the patients that were coming in. The emergency rooms have done a really good job taking care of COVID patients. I am not worried about the patients coming into the emergency room because they are they suspect that they have COVID symptoms. What worries me and what worries our, our the other healthcare leaders in our community are all of the people that continue to not seek care. The volume in the emergency rooms urgent care, even regular physician offices, provider offices are dramatically down, and that's scary. It is very safe to go to any emergency room um, if, 
if there is an individual that listens to this uh, that have the ability to share one thing uh, with their loved ones, with their friends and family, I would ask everybody to think of the emergency room and urgent care as the safest place you can go. Okay. And when you have symptoms and maybe you think you're having a heart attack, maybe mm -hmm. you think you're having a stroke or something mm -hmm. else is going mm -hmm. on, do not delay care. Well, people are delaying care and even their, um, their annual physicals. Even I had, um, I did a podcast a few weeks ago on immunizations and how we're now behind on immunizations on children because they're not going to the pediatrician. So, and then I had um, Dr. Pashnak on to talk about how safe it was in his family practice office. So really what, what you're saying is to reiterate what they're saying, which is it's safe to go to the doctor, uh, take your precautions, and do you believe that everyone who comes into your emergency room should put a mask on? Everybody that comes to our emergency room gets a mask. Mm -hmm. um, and cannot come in without a without mask. Without the mask. Right. How about the physician's offices? Also the same thing. Mm -hmm. uh, in our medical group, it's staff and patients and physicians, they all wear masks. Mm -hmm. The same in the uh, same day appointment department that we have, everybody wears a mask. And that, washing your hands, um, using hand sanitizers is the most effective way to avoid COVID. It's not, it has changed over time a little bit. Um, we were so scared of so many things in the beginning because we didn't know. Right. We know now that sitting next to each other, um, as long as you social distance and you know, wear your mask does not, uh, guarantee that somebody's going to get COVID. Sharing food definitely does not spread COVID. Um, petting your dog does not spread COVID. And so I'm hoping we can get back to the new normal that is um, less hyper vigilant. Yes, yes. In, in one way or another, uh, because we cannot continue like this as a society. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. And so COVID isn't going away. I mean, until there's a vaccine and that may be a year from now, if not longer. So we do have a new norm. Uh, what do you think is the most important thing for our community to do over the next six, nine months? Follow the CDC guidelines. Mm -hmm. Six feet apart, wear the masks. The mask comes in, in all fabrics and, you know, types and patterns. Uh, it, it takes getting used to. But as a healthcare worker, when I go to the grocery store and I see people not wearing masks, it worries me because we are also seeing an increase in asymptomatic positive COVID patients more and more. Mm -hmm. And it's not the, the young and healthy um, that we worry about so much. They get COVID, but most often they don't get as sick. Mm -hmm. um, it is the elderly population and people with underlying health conditions that we worry about. Mm -hmm. And the person walking around in the grocery store without a mask, maybe a carrier, and may infect somebody else.
so let's let's talk about the last four months for you. What are the what are a couple of things that you're going to remember most about those four months a year from now? I think what I'll remember the most is the the, the resilience of our team. Uh, how nobody gave up. Um, everybody worked in the beginning, you know, seven days a week. Uh, this was all we focused on and also how everybody came together mm -hmm. and particularly in our community. That's what I'm going to remember. Okay. Well, thank you everyone for listening. Today we've been talking with Helen Leadholm, CEO of Northern Nevada Medical Center. Uh, we've been talking today about COVID-19 and the impact on our hospitals. I want to thank you for listening. Um, please pass on our podcast to anyone that you think uh, would like to listen to it. For a list of past and future podcasts, go to accesstohealthcare.org slash podcast.